Welcome to Pilgrim's Progress Storytime. When I was just a boy, I lived in Sharpsville, Pennsylvania, out in the country on a dirt road, and we lived beside a, a river, the Shenango River. We spent our time when we weren't working in the garden, hoeing the corn and the beans. We were out on the river, rafting, boating. It was a great time. We also enjoyed riding our bikes, playing bike tag. That was dangerous. We tracked animals. We followed the rabbits. We didn't have a television. <laughs> we didn't have a radio that we could listen to. There were no computers, no cell phones. We had a party line. It would ring one long and one short, and that was our sign to pick up the telephone. It was a country life, a quiet life. But the part I enjoyed the most in that quiet country life, that simple life, was to sit and listen to my mother read. She read some of the old classic stories like Robinson Crusoe or Swiss Family Robinson. One of my favorites was The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe by C.S. Lewis. I loved the whole series. But I have to tell you that the favorite book was the one I found entitled Pilgrim's Progress by John Bunyan. I'm going to week by week read to you aloud the story of Pilgrim's Progress. This is an old book. It was begun in 1661. That's right. 1661. Figure out how many years ago that was. John Bunyan was the one who wrote it. He was a poor man. He worked as a tinker. That is, he went door to door, knocking on the door and asking the lady of the house if she had any pots or pans that had burned out from long use and it needed a new bottom in it. It was dirty work. It was hard work. But then on Sundays, he would preach. He preached at a Baptist church. He preached wherever he could find a congregation who would listen to him. But the English authorities became very angry with him because they said, you're not allowed to preach without a license. And he had no license. They told him if he didn't stop preaching, they were going to put him in jail. Well, jails in that day were quite different than the jails today. It was a very rough and rude place. There was one small window of his cell up high with bars on it. No window, just open bars. So in the winter, it was very cold. And in the summertime, it was very hot. Well, they put him in that prison because he was preaching. 1661. Have you figured out yet how long ago that was? <laughs> John Bunyan was a man of God. And in his prison cell, he wrote the first draft of Pilgrim's Progress. Now, he was in jail for six years. And at the end of six years, they brought him out before the court and they said, will you agree now to stop preaching? And if you will, 
we'll set you free. If you won't stop preaching, we're going to put you back in that cell, and you can rot there. Well, he said, no, I can't stop preaching. I have to talk about Jesus. I have to teach the people about our Lord and what he did on Calvary. They put him back in prison. Now, he had to support his family while he was in prison. He couldn't work. So his wife brought to him the supplies for him to weave shoelaces. You didn't go to the department store and buy shoelaces or the shoe store. So he would weave the shoelaces in that prison cell with numb fingers working in the cold. Then he would give them to his wife when she came to bring him food and supplies. And she would go out and sell them. And by that means, he was able to take care of his wife and his children. I hope that you're hearing now is John Bunyan did not have an easy life. It was a very hard life, hard physically. He was in this freezing place and in this baking in the sun place. But he was a courageous man. He believed in Jesus Christ. He believed in the resurrection. And he believed in the coming of Jesus in the clouds of glory. And so he began to think about how he could tell people that story. And he wrote this allegory. If you don't know what allegory means, look it up on the, on the Google. Just Google it allegory and find out what it means. This book, Pilgrim's Progress, it was considered the number one allegory in the English language for many, many years. Now, let me begin. And I'm going to read for you the first chapter, Pilgrim's Progress. He writes, as I walked through the wilderness of this world, I came to a certain place where there was a cave, and I lay down in that place to sleep. <laughs> Many others talking about this book say the cave he laid down in was a jail cell. He lay down in that place to sleep. As I slept, I dreamed a dream, and in this dream I saw a man clothed in rags. Let me show you a picture. This is the picture of the man clothed in rags that John Bunyan saw. He writes, His face was turned away from his own house. He had a book in his hand and a heavy burden upon his back. I looked and saw him open the book and begin to read. And as he read, he wept. He cried. He, he cried out loud, What shall I do? In this condition, he went home. He tried to keep to himself as long as he could so that his, his wife and his children would not see him in such distress. But after a short time, his anguish had increased so much that he could not remain silent. So he began to share with his wife and his children what was on his troubled mind. And this is what he told them. 
dear wife and children. I am greatly troubled by this burden that torments me and grows and weighs so heavily upon me. See, he had a a heavy knapsack, a backpack on his back, and it was too heavy for him to carry. And he had a book in his hand. He was reading the book, and this book so troubled him that he said to them, I am greatly troubled by this burden that torments me and grows and weighs so heavily upon me. Moreover, I have received information that the city in which we live will be burned with fire from heaven. When this happens, all of us will die. We will be destroyed. Unless by a way I do not yet know, some way of escape can be found so that we may be delivered. Hearing this, his family was greatly amazed, not because they believed that what he said was true, but because they thought he was losing his mind. They thought he was going crazy. So as the evening approached, hoping that sleep might settle his mind, they quickly put him to bed. But the night was as troublesome to him as the day. Instead of sleeping, he spent the night sighing and crying. So when morning came, his family came to find out how he was doing. Oh, oh, worse and worse, he told them. He started speaking to them again about his fears and his concerns. But they became cold toward him. They tried to change his outlook by treating him rudely. Sometimes they would deride. Sometimes they would chide. Other times they would just plain ignore him. So he began retiring to his private room to pray for them, to pity them, and also to try to find consolation for his own utter misery. He would often walk alone in the field, sometimes reading and sometimes praying for a long time. This is how he spent his days. Then one day I saw the man walking in the fields, which he often did, reading his book and greatly distressed in his mind. By the way, do you know what book he was reading? If you know and you're watching on the YouTube, go to the chat section and let me know what you think the book was. As he read, he burst out as he had done before crying, What shall I do to be saved? I noticed that he looked this way and then that way as if he would run, yet he stood still because he could not decide which way to run. Just then I looked and I saw someone named Evangelist coming toward him. Evangelist came up to the man, and he asked, Why are you crying out? (laughs) Here's a picture of Evangelist. Those of you on the radio, you're going to miss that, but you can go to YouTube. It's there. He answered, Sir, I understand from reading the book in my hand that I am condemned to die and after that to come to judgment. 
I'm not willing to do the first, nor able to do the second. Then evangelists ask, Why are you not willing to die, since life is so filled with evil? The man answered, Because I'm afraid that this burden that is on my back will sink me lower than the grave, and I'll fall into hell. And sir, continued the man, If I'm not ready to die, then I'm not prepared to go to judgment and from there to execution. Thinking about these things distresses me greatly. Then Evangelist said, If this is your condition, why are you standing still? The man responded, Because I don't know where to go. Then Evangelist gave him a parchment and unrolled it so that the man could read, Flee! from the wrath to come. When he'd read it, the man looked at Evangelist very carefully, and he said, Which way shall I run? Then Evangelist, pointing with his finger to a very wide field, asked, Do you see that distant gate? No, the man replied. Then Evangelist asked, Do you see that distant shining light? I th I think I do, the man answered. Then Evangelist said, Keep that light in your eye and go up directly toward it, and soon you will see the narrow gate. And when you finally come to the gate, knock, and you will be told what to do. So I saw in my dream that the man began to run, He had not run very far from his home when his wife and his children, realizing what was happening, cried after him, Come back! Come back! But the man put his fingers in his ears and ran on, saying, Life! Life! Eternal life! So without looking back, he fled toward the middle of the valley. The neighbors also came out to see what was going on, and when they saw who it was that was running, some mocked him. Others yelled out threats, and some cried after the man, Return! Among those who were crying out to return were two who decided to run after him and bring him back by force. The name of the one man was Obstinate. The name of the other was Pliable. Now, by this time, the man was a good distance away, but obstinate and pliable were determined to catch him, which they did. As soon as they caught up with him, he asked them, Why have you come running after me? The neighbors answered, To persuade you to go back with us. But that's not possible, the man replied. You live in the city of destruction, the place where I was born, and I believe that if you stay in that city, you will die sooner or later, and then you will sink lower than the grave into a place that burns with fire and brimstone. Please, good neighbors, consider, consider coming along with me. What? said Obstinate, and leave our friends and comforts behind? Yes, said the fleeing man Christian, for that was his name. Because all that you leave behind is not worthy to be compared even a little 
with what I'm seeking to enjoy. And if you will come along with me and not give up, we will both be blessed with treasure to spare beyond anything you can imagine. Come along with me and see if I'm telling you the truth. What are you looking for? Obstinate replied. What is so valuable that you would turn your back on all the world to find it? I'm looking, Christian explained, for an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, unfading, kept in heaven. It's kept safe there to be given at the appointed time to those who diligently seek it. You can read about it in my book. Nonsense, said Obstinate. Away with your book. Will you come back with us or not? No. No, said Christian. I've laid my hand to the plow. I cannot look back. I have started this journey, and I must finish it. Come on, pliable, Obson urged his companion. Let's turn around and go home without him. There's a group of these mixed-up lunatics who get a crazy idea in their head that they're wiser with their own eyes than seven men who can render a, a responsible decision. Then Pliable said, Don't be so harsh. If what the good Christian says is true, the things he's looking for are better than anything we have. I feel like I should go along with my neighbor. What? What? More fools still? Obstinate replied. Do what I say and go back. Who knows where this lunatic will lead you? Go back. Go back. Go back. Be wise. Don't listen to him, Christian urged. Come with me, Pliable. There are things to be gained such as I'm telling you about, and many more glories besides. If you don't believe me and read about it in this book, and as far as the trustworthiness of this book goes, it's all confirmed by the blood of him who made it. Well, neither obstinate, Neighbor, obstinate, said Pliable, I have come to a decision. I have decided to go along with Christian and to cast my lot with him. Pliable thought for a second and then turned to Christian and said, But do you know the way to this desired place? I was given directions by a man whose name is Evangelist, Christian said. He told me to go quickly as I could to that little gate that's just up ahead, and once there we will receive instructions about the way before us. Come then, good neighbor, Pliable replied. Let's be going. Then they all went on together. And I'm going to go back home, said Obstin. I will not be a companion of such misled, fanatical fellows, people who are crazy. Now I saw in my dream, after Obstin returned to the city of destruction, that Christian and Pliable began to talk as they walked together through the middle of the valley. Thus they began to converse. I am glad, Christian said, that you were persuaded to come along with me. I am surprised that Obstinate returned so quickly to the city of destruction. I think if he had felt the power and terror of the unseen as I have, 
he would have been persuaded to come along with us. Let's stop a moment. Have you felt the power of the unseen? Have you felt the power of Jesus? Has Jesus been calling you to follow him? When I was just a boy, Jesus called me to follow him. And I said, yes. And I've been walking this narrow path now for many years. If you haven't been, listen carefully to the story. And if you have felt the power of Jesus, lay aside your video games and your television and your entertainment and go for Jesus. I continue reading. Come, neighbor, Christian, since it's just the two of us, tell me more about the wonderful things that await us when we arrive at the place to which we're going. I can better conceive of them with my mind, Christian explained, than to talk about them. But since you're interested, I will read about them from my book. And do you think the words of the book are true, Pliable asked? Yes, very sure. For the words are written by the one who cannot lie, Christian replied. Well, well said. Please tell me about these things that await us. There is an endless kingdom to be inherited and everlasting life to be given to us so that we may live in that kingdom forever, Christian explained. Well, I like that. What else, Pilate, a pliable asked. We will be given crowns of glory and clothing that will make us shine like the sun. Oh, that sounds nice. What else? There shall never be crying or sorrow, for he is the owner of the place, and he will wipe all tears from our eyes. And what company shall we have there? Pliable asked. We will be with the seraphim and the cherubim and creatures who will dazzle your eyes when you look at them. You will meet the thousands who've gone before us to that place. None of them are hurtful, but all of them are loving and holy. Everyone walking in the sight of God and standing in his presence with acceptance forever. In a word, There we will see the elders with their golden crowns. There we will see the holy virgins with their golden harps. There we will see the men who were cut in pieces by the world, burned in flames, eaten by beasts, drowned in the seas, suffering all of this and more for the love they have for the Lord of the place. Everyone in that place is clothed with immortality as with a robe. Hearing about this is enough to excite my heart, Pliable replied. But are these things to be enjoyed by anyone? What do we have to do to share in all these things? The Lord, Christian replied, the governor of the country has recorded in this book that if we are truly willing to have it, he will give it to us freely. Well, my good companion, I'm glad to hear about these things. Come, hasten, let's go to that place. I can't go as fast as I would like, Christian said, because of this burden that's on my back. Now I saw in my dream, just as they had finished talking about that, they came to a a very miry swamp that was in the middle of the valley. 
Then suddenly, both Christian and Pliable, who were not paying attention to where they were walking, fell into the swamp. The name of the swamp was Despond. They wallowed there until they were both completely covered with mud. Christian, weighed down by the burden on his back, began to sink. Then Pliable said, Ah, neither Christian, where are you now? Neighbor, where are you? Honestly, said Christian, I don't know. (laughs) We're going to stop there today. I'm sharing with you this story of Pilgrim's Progress. It's the story of Christian. As he makes his way toward the narrow gate, and then as he makes his way on the narrow path, the Bible says there's a broad way and a narrow way. Christians are called to walk the narrow path. Next week, join me, and we'll find Pliable and Christian in the Swamp of Despond. I hope you enjoyed today. I'll talk to you soon. I'm Pastor Ray from the National Prayer Chapel. Listen again next week and invite your friends to listen. God bless you.